0: Mm -hmm. and so we kind of became quick buddies but I had to to keep reminding myself I'm like this is Louis CK this is insane and then I got an email one time just asking if I could open for him uh, in East Hampton in the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving weekend and then I got Wild food poisoning Not from what he fed us (laughs) Uh, The night before I got so sick I couldn't do the show Mm. And then uh, Fun fact twist Jerry Seinfeld Filled in for me (laughs) I made the newspaper In New York I was in the New York Post It said uh, When young Up and coming comedian Joe Liss got sick Jerry Seinfeld Filled (laughs) in
1: Hot breath (sighs) Hello You know what time it is Hot breath. <gasps> Welcome back to the Hot Breathiverse, all my hot brethren and sistren. This is your favorite host of your favorite podcast, Joel Byers. And we have another awesome, extravagantly, entertainingly hot episode for you today. Or tonight. Or whenever you're listening to it. I'm so glad you're tuning in. We are all going on a lovely journey today. I do apologize. I'm a little bit tired. I just got off the road from the Rebirth of Comedy Tour. But I've gotta say I am super jazzed up for this episode you're about to experience. It is with the one and only, the very hilarious New York zone by way of Boston, now opener for Louis C.K. He's been on Letterman, he's been through rehabilitation. Um we talk about it all on this episode. I, of course, am talking about the one and only Joe List. Yeah! Yeah! Some of you old faithful hot brethren and sistren may know him as the guy that went up against Clayton English in the semifinals of Last Comic Standing. So, if you heard my, inter- my recent interview with uh, Clayton, you'll hear references in there. But today you're going to get the story Of Joe List. It's an amazing story through rising up through so much adversity and you're really going to enjoy it. So thank you so much for tuning in. You made the right decision. Yes, that did rhyme. I must say, if you are a fan of Hot Breath, please go to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. Get more info about the podcast, about my schedule. I host a show every Wednesday at Java Monkey Indicator, And if you're on the website, you'll also see a new flyer for the show. That was made by the one and only Comedy Artwork. Go to ComedyArtwork.com or on social media at Comedy Artwork. Check out his work. It's absolutely amazing. You'll see the logo on my website. He made the logo on my website. He's done work for Funnier or Die. He's done work for The Ringer Podcast Network. I mean, this if you're interested in kind of revamping your image and really figuring out how you want to come across as you're navigating this comedy business, or really any business. You know, everybody needs a logo, so hit up Comedy Artwork, ask them to give you the hot breath special, and he'll take care of you. And while you're online, this is a big week. If you're listening, the week of this episode, this Saturday, October 29th, The one and only Comedy Binge Comedy Festival will be right here in Atlanta at Relapse Theater. And you, and only you, for listening to Hot Breath, can get 20% off. Some of you may be like, oh, that's great. Some of you are like, oh, I already signed up. And some of you are like, "Wait, this is my first time listening. What's Comedy Binge? Comedy Binge is the world's first online comedy festival. And you don't have to be in Atlanta to watch it. And I have a special discount code just for you for listening to Hot Breath. If you go to comedybenchco forward slash stream, use promo code HOTBREATH, all one word, you get 20% off streaming tickets. This is an amazing event. It's the very first of many, many. I'm going to be helping out with the hosting along with many of other Atlanta's funny comedians out there. So please, please, if you're a fan of Hot Breath, if you're a fan of comedy, and specifically Atlanta comedy, it's headlined by Atlanta's own Rob Hayes, who's been on Comedy Central on Last Comic Standing. Please go to comedybench.co forward slash stream. Use promo code HOTBREATH. Get 20% off. What's that to lose? It's this Saturday, October 29th. All day event. Let's do it. And if you're a fan of comedy as well, you may be like, oh, I would like to learn more about comedy. Well, you're in luck. Because I happen to teach a stand-up comedy class. Yes, yes, with the Highwire Comedy Company, we teach sketch and improv as well. And if you go to highwirecomedy.com, you can check out the registration page for all those classes to get more info. But if you're just a comedy fan looking to maybe get some fun insight into joke writing or just the business and how it all works, please, I highly recommend you signing up. The next round starts Sunday, November 5th. And if you're more an experienced comedian, this is a great opportunity to develop a new 5-minute set in just 8 short weeks. I've had people of all backgrounds take the class and everybody always walks away with a new perspective on comedy and a new skill set that they can apply to whatever their profession is. So definitely hit me up at Joel Byers Comedy on social media or joelbyerscomedy.com or highwirecomedy.com. It would just kind of take Comedy, I don't know, I was trying to come up with a slogan right there, it's not really important. The important part is, if you're a comedy fan or you want to just get strength in your comedy, this is the class for you. Eight weeks, Joel Byers, kaboom. Kaboom. That's a good segue into the end of this intro, because let's get to it. I'm so excited about this interview, I'm so excited Joe List was willing to sit down while he was in town for the Red Clay Comedy Festival here in Atlanta. Absolutely amazing, amazing comic who's been through so much, and it's all paying off now. So just get ready to learn and laugh and be entertained. So all there is left to do is inhale a hot breath. With Joe Lista
0: Hey, what's up man? What's up, dude? Come on
2: in. I'm Joel, man. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see that
1: you. Cool, it's all right. I mean, is this alright? This, this is gonna be great. No, no, no. no.
0: Sorry, it's dark in here. That's not my fault. That's uh, this
1: fucking weird ass hotel. No, it's all right, you're being very hospitable. Thank oh, you. I try to be
0: very hospitable. I like it's so.
1: Thanks for doing this man yeah um, man for sure how was mindy that must have been fun mindy was great man. yeah oh my gosh just, i want to listen to that yeah just her her perspective just you know having the artist background overall so right right like starting off as an artist and then moving into photography like there's a lot of good insight oh uh,
0: great i want to listen to it is this a weekly podcast or? this is
1: a weekly podcast i i release one every monday at uh, 8 a.m. Oh, great. And is it mostly comedy of the arts or what? Yeah, it's it's been primarily comedy. So I was like, let me start a podcast with that in mind. So then it's just kind of grown beyond Atlanta comedy. And now I think I'm going to start maybe taking it just to, I kind of finally figured out, the whole point of it is just to learn right right and like to learn about the person and I found that's what my listeners like and what I've gotten the most feedback on is when just kind of the ABC's of their craft yeah so that's and I mean you being um, willing to do it is oh yeah is perfect man for sure man A fellow podcaster of course yours Tuesdays with stories yeah but um uh, I don't know are you comfortable with the chair moving I mean I can move I'm cool with um
2: i Yeah, I mean a little more body language.
1: Yeah. Now we're now we're cooking with now we're Jizz. <laughs> Is that what you divert to? You like masturbation and yeah, porn? Yeah. It, I mean it's well, kinda it's like you're,
0: weird or awkward, sometimes other that's,
1: I love how that's how you break awkwardness. It's just with yeah. something let me top this awkwardness with yeah, something get, even more awkward. Yeah weird, yeah. <laughs> um Well yeah, thanks um. Thanks for doing this. If you could just say your full name into the microphone, please. Yeah,
0: sure. My full name is Joseph List.
1: All right, Joseph List, welcome to the Hot Breathiverse. Oh, thank you. Oh, so
0: we're starting. We're underway here. We're here, yeah. All right, great. We're doing it. (laughs) I always get excited. That moment where we're like, all right, this is happening now. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, we're in the now. Yeah.
1: We're in this present moment that'll never happen again. We are.
0: It's already over. That moment's over. This is a new moment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit, that one's gone now. (laughs) It's exciting. We're inching closer to death.
1: (laughs) Well, it's exciting to have you on here because... You know, we're here at the Red Clay Comedy Festival, who you're um, an awesome participant in, of course. Thank you. And um, I'd love to know, just because this is an Atlanta comedy-based podcast, what is kind of your experience with Atlanta comedy overall? Um, I don't have a ton of
0: experience. I have some friends from Atlanta. I've performed here. Atlanta... It's the only city I've ever missed a show in, mm. which was happened years ago. I was opening for Nick DiPaolo on the road at the old Punchline, which is no yeah. longer there. Yeah, they moved. And it was like a Saturday night, and I was this is in my drinking days. And uh, <laughs> like Friday, I just had a couple too many. I was all hung over and out of sorts, and I just didn't know what time the show started. I thought it was an eight p.m. show, but it was a seven, and so I showed up at like seven forty-five, mm-hmm. and uh, I just like heard comedy happening, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And oh. they're like, "The show started forty-five minutes ago," so I missed my set. Uh, they weren't too upset and they still paid me. And uh, so it wasn't a big deal. But so, anyways, I did that one week at the punchline back in 07 or so. Uh huh. And then I featured for my friend Tommy Jonigan here a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, The Improv, right? The Improv. Yeah. yeah,
1: that was the first time I saw you live. Oh, cool! Was when like I saw you had to kind of like wrestle the crowd. That was. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember that. Yeah, I remember like they weren't really coming around, and then yeah. through that twenty minutes, I remember by the end you had them in your hand, and I was oh, just like, good. wow, that's how that's how you actually control a crowd to oh, go in thanks. your direction. So. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that weekend,
0: but now I'm remembering it as I remember it yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> i guess i it's something i forgot the weekend i just didn't put any effort into remembering well you're busy yeah yeah but i did that and then uh last week i opened for louis ck at um the fox theater yeah and so that's been the majority 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 <laughs> yeah. of um my uh atlanta comedy experience and i'm good buddies with noah garden schwartz nice yeah and um he's been on here yeah a couple of those guys rob mm-hmm. hayes i like and uh, so, yeah, so I know a few of those You guys. went
1: head-to-head with Atlanta comic Clayton English? Clayton English, yes. Last I was, comic. Uh, I'll ha-
0: hold a trivia spot in Atlanta comedy. <laughs> I was defeated by Clayton English. And I just opened for him the other day here. Or I did a set in front of him, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that was the opener. Yeah, yeah. you opened
0: him, yeah. So uh, that was really nice of them to have. It was kind of a last-minute thing, but it was really nice of them to have me, and uh, it was good to see him.
1: Yeah. What's well, cool in just hearing you in this present moment talk about your experience with Atlanta comedy and just... The growth, you went from, oh, I was at the old Atlanta Punchline to the new Atlanta Improv. Oh, and then I was at the Fox with Louis C.K. Have yeah. you heard of Louis C.K.? Like yeah. how, did, how did you become his opener? Because this is an international tour yeah. where you've gone with him. How yeah, that happened it's, it's pretty insane, and um, <laughs> I don't
0: really know. He saw me at the Comedy Cellar. I work at the Comedy Cellar a lot, and mm-hmm. he's there. That's kind of his uh, home club, his main club in New York. And I just was doing a set, and a lot of times those guys are just – in the room, you don't realize that you know Chris Rock is going to go on next or so, something happens. Right, Anything can happen at any moment sort of at that club. So I was on stage and didn't realize that Louis had been there. I had a great set. I mean, it's just such a great club. It's yeah, I mean, you do well such a high percentage of the time there. So I had a great set, and he was back there. I didn't realize he was back there listening, kind of sitting on the steps waiting to go on. And he had a couple jokes that he really liked, and he was like, that was hilarious. And then the manager was like, he really liked it. He was really laughing. He was asking who you are. And then we kind of chatted after. And he like quoted a joke. He was like, "Is that joke new or whatever?" What? And uh, I was like, uh, "He's like, is that an old joke?" And I was like, "That's pretty pretty new." And he's like, "Oh wow!" And then we kind of figured out we were both from Boston. I mean, I knew he was. I knew everything about him. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's like a, a fucking idol of mine. So right, 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 right. So that was really neat. And then I think he just has uh, he knows comedy. He's got his kind of his ear or nose, whatever you put to the grindstone. Mm-hmm. He has that body part on the grindstone and um like he listened to my podcast and uh he knows a lot of the kind of guys of my generation or whatever and so uh i kind of got a random i bumped into it a couple other times that so we talked about you know politics or whatever the hell at the cellar and then i got an email one time just asking if i could open for him uh in east hampton in the thanksgiving thanksgiving weekend out in the hamptons and i did the first show friday night and then Saturday, we hung out all day. He took me and my fiance out in his boat and we went to his house. Yeah, out in the Hamptons. And we watched comedy. We watched like Richard Pryor videos and Eddie Murphy. And We were like talking comedy. It was pretty insane in his living room. <laughs> he made us lunch. It was like really unbelievable, absurd. And it was one of those wow. things where like I became very comfortable with him because he's a nice guy and I know him from comedy. And we're, yeah. we started at the same age in the same city. So we kind of like have a lot of similarities, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of became quick. Buddies, But I had to keep reminding myself, I'm like, this is Louis C.K., this is insane. Yeah. Um, and then that night, he dropped us off in the boat, my, my w- fiancé and I. And he was like, uh, all right, I'll see you guys in a little bit. And then I got wild food poisoning. Not from what he fed us. <laughs> uh, the night before, I got so sick, I couldn't do the show, mm. which was brutal. And he was like, don't worry, I'll make it up to you. And then, uh, fun fact, twist, Jerry Seinfeld filled in for me. Uh, that's because, a good second fiddle, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't bad because it was out in the Hamptons, so he has that place out there. Right. And Louie texted me. was like, hey, man, Jerry filled in, which was, you know, he said it kind of <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. But uh, <laughs> I made the newspaper in New York. I was in the New York Post. It said, uh, when the young up-and-coming comedian Joe List got sick, Jerry Seinfeld filled <laughs> in. So anyways, that's how we kind of met. And he was like, I'll make it up to you. And then months later, he asked me to open for him on some of these tour dates. And then... He asked me to go to Europe we did the Europe tour it was unbelievable and we're still currently doing dates now yeah man it's pretty uh it's beyond dream come true because I didn't even I would like dream of knowing that guy and having him respect me but right. to go to like Europe and Paris and London in a private jet with Louis is pretty insane unbelievable what have you learned from th- this experience uh well one thing I learned is that um I would like to be that successful like before <laughs> I would always like if I could just make you know, a good living doing comedy, that would be right. great. And then you kind of see how that goes and you're like, "Ah, eh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, the celebrity seems difficult and unenjoyable to me, but the private jet stuff. But I, I don't know, I learned, like, I've already knew a lot, I've been doing comedy a long time, so it's hard to kind of put uh, into perspective or exact what I've learned on the tour, but um it's just incredible just chatting with them, and it, it's just fun and amazing, but One thing is that he's a real artist and pushing to do better and be better, even though, you know, he's obviously rich Mm -hmm. and 25 years in and reached the top. It's still trying to strive to be better and find his own new things and stay an artist and and go somewhere that he hasn't kind of been artistically,
1: which is inspiring and something
0: that uh, I would like to do, of
1: course. And he obviously is known for like creating like an hour uh, you know a year type of work work regimen but like you seeing him work night after night like how different will the shows be um they're pretty similar i mean it's sort of a skeleton there but he's adding
0: stuff adding a lot of stuff and uh-huh. new lines and changing up words and stuff it's become i don't watch as much because after a while you start you've i've seen it so many times that it it starts to take away where you're coming like oh, I'm hearing a thing for the 30th time. You're starting to be like, right, right, oh, I don't right. want to get in that zone. So I kind of yeah. sit out on some of his set now. But mm-hmm. he changes it up quite a bit, and uh, it's always developing. He's always writing because that's
1: how he thinks and sort of is, I think, as a as a comedian. Do you, do you adopt that same kind of work regimen? Are you, like, you always have a skeleton, but are you always, like, trying to go off on different avenues?
0: I'm definitely always trying to write and do new stuff, because not because I'm trying to do an hour a year or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just want to it feels good to get a new joke working to have a new bit mm-hmm. it's the best feeling uh in comedy and it rivals any feeling outside of comedy as well it's just great to get those words right and get the thought right and have it work so um i'm always writing but certainly not trying to pump out an hour a year and writing a movie and a play at the same time like right exactly his yeah. work i think is uh certainly superior to mine but uh-huh. But
1: you've also I mean you're you're coming up on 16 years, right? Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean he's he's got a he got a head start on you. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. But it, is your is your writing process are you since you've been doing it almost 16 years is it more on stage or do you have like a pen to paper type of I do both. I
0: try to uh sit and do I definitely do more on stage mm-hmm. now than I used to. He does completely on stage. He doesn't write at all. Okay. Um he does it all He'll have a thought. He'll think about it. I think kind of ponder it and listen to sets and then kind of go up there. But he doesn't do any pen to paper. Uh, but I'll do pen to paper. I do a lot of writing in my phone just if I have an idea. Okay. But I like pen to paper. And then I have a general idea. But you end up, I end up kind of riffing on stage a little more and have a little more freedom to do that. So
1: it's a little bit of both for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been, I guess, tour, how long have you been on tour with Louis now? This- uh, I guess started in july
0: mid july i wow. guess and now it's october and the the tour is going through the spring but it's weird because this like uh europe was constant it was 17 days we did like 12 countries in 17 days but um yeah unbelievable and then this is now like we did atlanta last week and then there's like two weeks off and then mm-hmm. i think chicago or something so like,
1: there's time off it's not as grueling as right. that one was yeah so you and you're also in new york which is where he's based out of and An interesting topic that's come up on Louie is like there's been these allegations of like this sexual misconduct, I guess, for lack of a better word. Is that like surprising to you, you being around him and knowing him like that?
0: Uh, I know him well. I don't personally. I mean, I can't uh, speak for him or for those people, but Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of rumors, but there's no actual uh, real allegations from a person. There's a lot of like, oh, I heard this and I heard that. And I think that... um, I think that they're, it's hard because people listening to this might say, oh, you work for him or you're friends with him. So you're defending him. But um, nobody has actually come out and said he did. um, I think one girl talked about it on a podcast and then later took it down and even tweeted like he did not do that uh, to me or anything. So I don't uh, think about it too much. But maybe it's just my own friendship or bias. I, I know him pretty well. And I don't really think that He's done that. And I think that people that write it and tweet it, they don't know either. Right. So it's uh, it's frustrating. People just decide that you're guilty. And I feel free. Every time I see his name come up on Twitter or Facebook, someone writes, oh, yeah, he's a rape or whatever. And you're like, you're accusing somebody of doing the worst thing you can do. And you have literally zero evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of bothers me that, uh, not just because it's someone that I admire or like, but the idea of just going, Oh yeah, that guy—he's this because, well, there—it's not. There's you—you you have nothing to say. So why don't you? I think you should just kind of relax on that because um, you don't know what you're talking about, and uh, and if uh, you know, it, yeah, it's a yeah. I don't know, but I feel yeah. like uh, it's it's tricky to talk about because you'll get. Shit, one way or the other. So, and I don't know what happened. So,
1: yeah, it's just, it was just interesting to get your point of view of somebody who's been around him so much. And now you're saying, like, hung out his house on his boat if, like, you got like a weird vibe or whatever.
0: No, none whatsoever. He's cool. a thoughtful
1: guy. He's a great
0: dad. I've met his kids. I've been to his house in New York and in the Hamptons. And he's got two daughters. And uh, <laughs> his daughters are wonderful. And he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's a, I think he's a great, mm-hmm. great guy and unbelievably, uh, charitable and giving and uh, just a really really great guy mm-hmm. and um yeah i think there's a lot of uh rumors and that happens especially in our society i think people like to try to take people down or or point out a flaw but um i don't believe that any of that is real yeah personally but i'm not an authority and uh you know
1: yeah you're somebody who's close to him so i thought it'd be good just to get that perspective and oh certainly clearly you know asking yeah but uh, we won't make this all about Louis, but it is kind of it's hard just to mean, like you're saying, you can't believe you're in the Hamptons with this guy and everything. Yeah. But it's not like your career up to this point has just been like failure and then, oh, Louis appears. I mean, you've opened up for people like Nick DiPaolo and um, Dane Cook yeah. was another one you worked with. Like Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with uh, Dane years ago. And uh, yeah, I
0: opened for a long, long time, longer than I probably would have liked to. But uh, I got to work with Dane and. Um, 04, which was when he was kind of breaking mm-hmm. pretty big at the time. I and mean, That was exciting and awesome. And then I worked with Nick DiPaolo for years. And then Tommy Jonigan was a good buddy of mine for a couple of years and Gary Gullman as well. So I've worked with wow. a lot of like, in my opinion, I mean, I think we just named like five of the best comedians of the last 25 years or ever, really, actually. So I got to work with all those guys were pretty amazing. Um, Are those opportunities coming
1: from them just seeing you on stage as well?
0: Yeah, just personally. Like DePaulo, I worked with at the Comedy Connection in Boston, and then he took me on the road mm-hmm. almost exclusively for a long time. And then Gary Gullman and Tommy Johnny were both good buddies of mine. They weren't. hey, if you're not doing anything else, come do this. So
1: <laughs> I did that for quite a while. Is that being on the road like that? Is that when the drinking starts to pick up? Um, I, would, I drank at home and on the road <laughs> with family
0: uh-huh. and with girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, I drank a lot everywhere. When did, uh, when did the, when did drinking start? Started, uh, probably after high school. I didn't drink at high school at all. Zero. Wow. Yeah. Not, not at all until after high school. I was 19 or so, which is late to me, uh, to most people, I think. But, um, yeah. And then I just started going hard pretty after just a few months of drinking. I was like, let's see how far we can take this. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, so yeah,
1: a lot of hard drinking for a long time, you know? Start comedy at 18 by 19, you're drinking. I guess is there a correlation there? Yeah, well, at first I would always try to not drink before. I think I had
0: drinks before I started to do comedy, like the weeks before maybe. But I would always try, I never, I don't drink before I go on. And then slowly you're like, I'll have a couple of drinks. And then you're like, well, let's see how drunk I can be on stage. (laughs) You know, it escalates quickly. So why not? And then there was times where I would drink all day leading up to a show. I was at a point, I think, where the shows were always sort of in the way of the drinking. I had that a lot, Mm -hmm. especially on the road, because you'd go someplace cool, and you're like, oh, I just want to go see everything and drink everywhere, and the shows just feel like they're in the way. I still have that feeling now, minus (laughs) drinking, where the shows are in the way of the fun or the football game or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. You went to Georgia Tech game today, actually. I did, yeah. You like to go to sporting events wherever you go? Yeah, as much
0: as possible, for sure. Yeah. I love it. Um, Were you an athlete? I, was at, I, I played baseball and basketball, and then in high school I ran. I ran a lot, cross-country, winter track, spring track, mm-hmm. and uh, still try to do athletic things, and I love them. As soon as we're done, I'm going to watch the Clemson-Louisville game.
1: Oh, very nice. All right. But yeah, pretty good. Well, for a little while, then I'm going to do shows. Yeah, yeah, but, for the uh, final night here at Red Clay. Yeah, yeah. Well, just... being hammered on stage, and it's... Um, something I always like to ask comedians on here is like an epic bombing story or like even to the point of where you get booed on stage. Yeah. I'm sure you having a, um, a drinking regimen, I'm sure some have come up. Some yeah. Epic bombs. Yeah. Well, when you're drinking, it's much easier to have a snap
0: set and kind of lose your mind and get pissed. Um, <laughs> now I'm a little more uh, accepting of whatever sort of comes and happens on stage. But um, yeah, I've told the story a few times on podcasts, but the, the, Most booing bomb set was opening for Bob Saget. Oh, my gosh. At uh, the University of New Hampshire, in uh, in New Hampshire, obviously. And it was like 3,000 kids in a gym, and they were just fired up to see Saget. And the show started about an hour late because there was a problem with the fire marshal, but they had all the kids outside. And it was in like February in New Hampshire, so it was freezing. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time to start the show, they were literally chanting Saget and like stomping on the bleachers. And it was like the classic <laughs> comedy formula where the guy comes out and he's like, are you ready for Bob Saget? And everyone was like, ah! And then they were like, well, first we have an opener, Joe List. And they started booing like immediately. And um, it was like 3,000 kids or maybe whatever, 1,500 kids, however uh-huh. many were booing, but people booing and really, it was, uh, it was a melee. But um, <laughs> But it was fun. That one, it actually wasn't that bad because I knew that they were kind of booing the fact that it wasn't. Bob Saget, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really the material. It was like they listened to my material and were like, wait a minute, boo! They right. were just booing, like, fuck this guy. <laughs> and then at one point, some guy yelled out, "Hey faggot, bring out Saget." And that was actually <laughs> uh, that was actually pretty enjoyable. I was like, well, that was yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, not that I condone that language, but you're like, well, if you're gonna throw a rhyme in there, hmm. that was fun. Uh, and Saget loved it. He was laughing, and uh, I was supposed to do like 20. and I ended up doing like you know 14, and I remember turning to the side of the stage and be like, "Can I wrap this?" And they kind of had took pity on me and were like so i said mercy and left but uh, that was definitely the most booing situation i did comedy in a gym one time like a gold's gym this guy that ran a gym had an idea to like have comedy during it so it was a bunch of like you know (laughs) bodybuilders behind me like dropping the leg press and then like you know married women on like the elliptical machine Uh like headphones and be like what the hell is this (laughs) asshole talking about and that was pretty bad so there was been definitely a bunch of weird bad yeah. shows. I mean, there's always bad shows with comedy.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I always like to ask comedians because we all have those stories. It's funny that it, the guys like you being a comedian. You're like, show to Gold's Gym. That's a terrible idea. I'll yeah. do it. Right. You know. Like. Well, that was interesting
0: because this was like maybe like two <laughs> years into my career when so I was 19 or 20 or whatever, mm-hmm. and that actually my buddy was telling me it was his gig. And I was like, I'll open. He was like, I got to do a half hour at a gym. And I was like, give me 20 bucks. I'll do 10 minutes in front of you. And he was like, of course, yes. And uh, so that was like, it wasn't even like a hell gig that I was asked to do. I begged my way (laughs) on to a gig at a gym. It was pretty... Uh But I, at the time, I wanted to... uh, Now I feel like I'm past that point, but I wanted to do comedy every way to experience. I did The Naked Show one time, and I did comedy at a gym, and I've done it like rock and roll. I was like, I want to do every form of Mm stand-up. And then after a certain point, that's no longer beneficial to you, I think. Mm -hmm. like Doing bad shows is no longer like, oh, this will help
1: me. But early on, I think it does. How long into your career did it take you before you realized, okay, maybe I don't need to be doing the 2 a.m. show at a coffee shop. Yeah,
0: probably a while. I mean, I think 10, 12 years. I think if you're wow. making a living, I mean, it's like all right. But if mm-hmm. you're, you know, if you're not, maybe you just keep getting in wherever you can cuz it all helps, I guess. Mm-hmm. So,
1: we're talking about okay, the the rock bottom of comedy. What was your rock bottom of drinking? Um, well, I had several and then kind of kept going oh, just wow. hung out on the bottom for a while.
0: But like there was <laughs> definitely um I, sh- I took a, uh, a shit. I blacked out and shit. Can I say shit? This isn't a radio yeah, show, you got right? It. I shit in a girl's shoe basically <laughs> on a first date. Her roommate. I was in like a kind of a first, not a date, but first time hanging out with this one girl, girl A. And her roommate was girl B. And uh, I somehow blacked out and ended up in girl B's room and defecated all over her floor and urinated on a rug. It was a whole thing. And uh, wow. I fell through a living room table as well. Jeez. And uh, so that was pretty horrible. and wh- That was like the only time I ever was like, you should kill yourself. Like a real thing of like, why don't you, I didn't start contemplating like how to kill myself. Uh-huh. I didn't get that far, but I was definitely like, people would be happier if you died. Oh, I just killed a mosquito folks. Nice. Um, As
1: you said died.
0: Yeah. As you said died, you killed I nailed him. Yeah. I try not to take <laughs> lives, but um, this mosquito found his way into my hotel room and he's not uh, welcome here. And if I was better able to get him out without hurting him, Mm-hmm And unfortunately, they spread diseases. So I don't know why. You know what? Fuck you. Fuck that mosquito. He's dead, and I don't give a shit.
1: You just prevented us from getting Zika, so thank you.
0: We could have had tiny-headed babies. Um, (laughs) If you think you're too small to make a difference, try sharing a tent with a mosquito. Did you ever hear that one? It's an old Buddhist quote. And um, I, I like to quote... I like to do Buddhist quotes while killing uh, living creatures.
1: Yeah, the opposite of Buddhism, I guess. Yeah, it's
0: fun. Murder. Fun to murder and uh, quote the <laughs> Dalai Lama at the same time. But anyways, yeah. So I uh, like shit in this girl's shoe and urinated. It was just completely shameful behavior. And I remember thinking like, well, I better not drink tonight. I should take a night off, and then ended up drinking later that night. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of like, just I hated my. I didn't realize till after when I got sober that I really kind of hated myself deeply so um it was just a lot of things I mean I was never like I never like hit any women or cheated or crashed a car but I definitely um just acted like an asshole and a buffoon a bunch and just didn't uh uh respect myself or value myself or my career really so it was a lot of just like ugh, I felt like shit and I was drunk or hungover for most of the time Mm. for like 10 years yeah so i just felt like shit for a long time just cloudy and anxious and uh, a lot of shame and uh, depression all that shit and so it just worked better for me to not drink i'm just better sober than i am drinking personally
1: yeah and how how has this sobriety affected your comedy
0: uh it's how everything that's happened you know like all the big things that happened in my career happened sort of in sobriety like Opening for Louie, and then I got to do Letterman. I had a half-hour special, and um, or the half-hour, whatever it's called. And I got to do Conan. All that stuff sort of came in sobriety. Working at the Comedy Cellar, all that stuff, headlining, having a manager and an agent, all that stuff came in sobriety for me. It definitely turned everything around for me. Um, because I felt like I was a talented guy and doing pretty well. You know, I right. had work, and I think people respected me or whatever. But it took kind of sobriety, like all right, let's focus and try to really do this and work it. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, just because I was always a mess. I'm not a like. There's a lot of comedians that um, there's like a or there's a sort of this um, uh, thought that uh, or aura that these comedians are all like painful and struggling and depressed. But I couldn't work like that. I'm. I do. I write and. I'm more productive when I'm happy and feeling good, Mm -hmm. which happens a lot more in sobriety than it did in drinking for me. So it's definitely helped me creatively and professionally. It just helped all my relationships, which benefits your career.
1: Did it help? Like, did you have goals at the beginning of comedy or when you got sober is when you're like, okay, I want to do Letterman. I want to Comedy Central.
0: Yeah, that was a big thing. And Tommy Johnigan is a guy that really helped me with that as well, like setting goals, because the only goals I ever set for myself were like, I like to be a comedian in Boston, i like to be a Boston comic, mm-hmm. and then eventually move to New York and then work the road. So I accomplished all of those things, which was another mo- like epiphany in sobriety that I was like, well, I've actually accomplished everything I've ever tried to do. I just haven't tried to do that much. Right, yeah. So it became a thing of like, let me do Letterman. I'll just decide that I was like, let me try to do this thing. And then I was able to do that. So then I was like, all right, what do I want to That sobriety allowed me to go, what do I want to do? What would I like to kind of be? And let me work towards that Mm. as opposed to just being like, let me just try to be a comedian. Which um, if your goal is to just be a comedian, that's not hard. You can just go to a show, an open mic or whatever. Right. um, Not that it's easy, but just to be a whatever, any comedian is not all that difficult.
1: So, you make the goal to be on Letterman. What did you, did you, because I'm in the middle of a goal, like, I want to be on Conan. That's my goal. Yeah. That's a goal I set out. I have, like, thrown into the air. And I'm yeah. like, no, okay, now how we make that happen, I don't know. But that is now me reaching higher than I ever have before, is right. being on Conan. So, yeah. like, with, when you made that Letterman goal, is that, did you sit down and you wrote out, like, a plan? Like, what? how did you approach the goal, perhaps? Well, I went to, uh, a tape. I went to a couple of tapings, actually, but I went with one with Gary
0: Gullman. Nice. And um, I met the producer. They were there. And so Gary was like, do you know Joe? He's great. And they were like, no, and just gave me a card. So I was like, all right, well, that's a big wow <laughs> step. I mean, I have the email for the guy personally. I'm here. Right. So um, that, that was helpful. I got an itchy nose. It won't stop being itchy. I'm that's not right. on coke or anything. That's I got fine. a loose boog or a hair or
1: something. They can't see it on the podcast. All right, great. <laughs>
0: Sorry. That was just for you, Joel. Um <laughs> So anyway, so I kind of had the guy's email and I was like, great. And then I also had the thing that helps where I went with Gary and I kind of went through the whole thing because I was with him. So I was like, all right, you go backstage, you put on your suit, you meet this guy, you go to makeup. I can do this. You kind of had that moment of you go through, you're like, oh, why not me? Mm -hmm. And so then the next step was kind of figure out a set. Let me get a set together. And I've been doing comedy a long time. So I was like, well, I have five minutes for sure. I can get five minutes together. So then I kind of got the five minutes together, and then I kind of got lucky again. I was at the cellar again. A lot of uh, my career revolves around the cellar, and those producers just happened to be at the show watching another comic, and I had a great set. And then they were like, hey, it's us again. Nice to see you. Make sure you get us that tape. We like this joke and this joke, so that kind of helped. And then the other thing about the comedy cellar that's helpful is that they they tape all the shows, and you can just ask for a DVD. They'll just hand it to you. Mm, cool. And then most people in the industry sort of understand it's the seller so there's some amount of respect so they'll go oh great seller nice and so it's a good tape and so i just got them a tape and letterman was actually very difficult it was a lot of back and forth it went on for about a year and a half which is insane yeah because they had to change this joke you had to take that out and then they just take a while to respond because they're doing other things and it's you know dave takes breaks and then dave announces retirement during my process which really added a lot to it it was a whole Thing and then March Madness goes on, and then they're off the air for that week. So it's a whole thing. Uh, So it took quite a while. And then actually, I didn't hear from them for a while. They kind of approved a set, and I felt like I was going to get on. And then I didn't hear from them for a little bit. And then uh, my manager was like, I think we might have to move on. Mm. They're just not responding. And I remember telling her, my manager at the time, I was like, just get a, a no, get them to say no. I've already had 12 emails back and forth. It's a year and a half. I've invested so much time and energy. I want them to write, no, you're not on the show. I was like, just get that. I don't want to just fade out and be ghosted. Right. And then the next email was a date, which was pretty amazing. They were like, uh, it was almost like they were like, shit, this fucking idiot's not going away. Just give him a spot. Yeah. And so
1: I got a date and, uh, you know, it was magical. It was great. Well, I know you've suffered from panic attacks a lot. So yeah. like before doing Letterman, The Late Night Show, like were you just a bundle of nerves like
0: No, I ended up being okay and that was sobriety and I kind of got really into uh a lot of Buddhist stuff and meditating and all this uh stuff that I'm always dismissive of because I feel like people are like, ah, eh, screw you. you yeah, you just shit. said
1: Buddhist stuff. Yeah, as yeah. Just I'm always, because <laughs> people Bottom are like, shelf. are you a
0: Buddhist? And I'm like, no, but I read a lot of Buddhist. Like I got really into, and you have a Thich Nhat Hanh quote in your email. Yeah. Which is amazing because that's who sort of changed my whole life, his uh, books. I've read about, you know, 25. I have one on oh. me at all times. There's one over there, I'm sure. Oh, wow. And that is really helpful. But yeah, I definitely was afraid of panic attacks because panic disorder is something that is inside you. It lives in you. It doesn't just go away. You just kind of manage it. Mm -hmm. So I had a definite fear that I was going to have a breakdown and lose my mind instead. Cause I had the thing of like, I just pictured Dave out there and they're like, the guy can't come out. He won't come out. And then like, (laughs) that was in my head, but you have to just let that go away. Like don't even let that manifest itself in you. And I just, um, like we talked about the moment, I just tried to stay in the moment. Like I had, what helped me stay calm was like, And this helps in life, and I think it's good advice in general, where you're worrying about something like, well, I'm not doing it right now. Like, I'm worried about the set, but I'm like, but I'm not doing the set right now. I'm sitting in my bedroom, so I don't have to worry about it now. Mm -hmm. And then the car ride over, you're like, well, I don't have to worry about it now. I'm just in the car over there, and then I'm like, I'm putting on my suit, but I don't have to worry about the set because I'm just putting my suit on right now. And so I just kind of stayed in each moment, which allowed me to be sort of relaxed leading up to it and doing my breathing exercises and and then also, I got some great advice from comics. Where my friend Nate Bargatze, uh, who's wonderful, mm-hmm. Red State Nate, hilarious, yeah, uh, one of the best, yeah. But he was just saying, I was asking people for advice, and he was like, "You're almost beyond being nervous at this point." He's like, "You've been doing it so long." It's like it's five minutes. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Nick Griffin, who's a wonderful comedian and guy, I interviewed just, him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's a great, he's great, great guy and a, a tremendous comedian. But he, um. He just said, he gave me great advice, and he, I have the voicemail saved. He said, my advice is, he's like, you don't need advice from me. There's nothing I can, what am I supposed to do? You know, mm-hmm. you don't need advice. You know what you do. He's like, everyone has great sets. It's a great crowd. They're hungry. And it's weird because late night you get hyped up, and but it's really just a comedy show, and you're doing five minutes. It's like a short set for yeah. a hot crowd. So it's like you're kind of just going, all right, and then you have to worry about TV. You just worry about the people that are there and they want you to do well. Everyone that's there wants you to do well. And you want to do well. Everyone involved wants you to do well, except for the people on the internet, but they're not there at the time. (laughs) The YouTube comments. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was actually pretty calm and relaxed and it was almost uh, bizarre. It was almost like a weird experience where I was like, I guess I'm going to do this. Not particularly nervous. I mean, I had energy going and I was uh, anxious to get out there, but I didn't feel nervous. I wasn't close to panic or anything like that i just felt like oh this is cool and amazing and crazy Mm -hmm. i felt really um calm maybe not the right word because you still are on tv so you're jacked up but i felt very um at peace it was really great
1: and you mentioned breathing exercises yeah could you could you kind of expand on that a little bit
0: breathing exercises is a weird term i guess just just focusing on my breath it wasn't breathing exercises i'm not gonna make it sound like i was giving birth but I do a lot of... Maybe
1: I could learn. listeners could learn.
0: Just kind of focusing on uh, my breath, my in-breath, and my out-breath. Because you're breathing through all these things. It feels like you're not because you're not consciously thinking about it because you're Mm -hmm. just kind of in a panic mode. And that happens not even just in anxious situations, but when you're talking or hanging out that your body is breathing. It's just second nature or third or fourth nature, whatever the hell nature it is. You're just not conscious of it. So it can be calming to kind of sit and and kind of feel your breath, like almost physically feel your breath going through your nose and in your diaphragm and lungs. And it can kind of almost instantly calm you down, mm-hmm. which is a thing that Thich Nhat Hanh is always sort of talking about and writing about. And so that really helped to kind of get away from the noise and just be like, and also that you're at home in your body, even though you're in this crazy situation, your body is still your home and that's, Uh, where you are and it's still just you you know you're always sort of home in your own body even if there's chaos going around
1: will you you do it for like a count like will you like inhale for seven and exhale for seven um not me personally but
0: that's Uh certainly a thing that people can do i guess i have done that at times or but just kind of just taking a moment to be like "Hmm, i'm breathing and i'm a human being and i'm alive and uh, it's definitely helpful Okay. Yeah.
1: Is this is this kind of lifestyle something that replaced the drinking?
0: Um, yeah, in, in ways. I mean, I try to be conscious of it. And I don't want to, I mean, I'm still a anxious, nervous guy who's self-conscious and insecure. I don't want you to sound like, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know. Oh, you're doing so good. Guy. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I try to do it consciously throughout the day and uh, especially when I get nervous or anxious and stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you done that your whole life or just when you found sobriety, you found like an alternative?
0: No, just after sobriety, I was like, I always, I always wanted to be into that. I would do yoga and stuff like that. And I always wanted to kind of be into that because I've always had anxiety and been nervous my whole life from as early as I can remember, which is kind of strange. I realized later for like a four year old kid or a six year old to be like, just nervous and like, ah, like at like a family <laughs> event. So, um, yeah, I kind of went to the bookstore and, uh, the first book I got was a book called Happiness by Thich Nhat Hanh. I was okay. like, oh, that seems like something I'd be, I want to be happy. And, um, so I kind of started reading all those and got really into that.
1: You just, you just had a feeling that book would be good for you.
0: Well, I went I mean, to like the Eastern, uh, philosophy. Was, you were searching. Eastern religion. Yeah, yeah. Eastern religions or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I like saw happiness. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. And also I was like, Tik not Han just seemed like, oh, that seems like an Asian guy. They yeah. <laughs> seem to know what they're doing over there. And so I got that one and it was really uh, very applicable and easy to understand and read.
1: Has that mindfulness helped your comedy as well?
0: Uh, I think so. I think just being able to be relaxed and happy more where I'm like, oh, let me get some work done. You know, mm-hmm. I want to try to... Um, I think so. Yeah, I think it's all sort of benefited all aspects of my life
1: yeah because when you when you did the show the first night here when at um at relapse here for the Red Clay Festival, there's drums on stage and you're doing a set and then you just kind of kind of gravitate towards yeah, the drums. Yeah. I guess just being in the moment and just flowing. Yeah, I
0: just kind of felt that would be, I just wanna, I always wanna hit drums and then it was just a silly, weird set, anyways. It's also weird with the, a festival like this, there's a lot of comics there. Yeah. And so you kind of get self conscious doing your material, you wanna be silly, you kind of make them laugh. And that particular show, there was about fifteen audience members yeah. and fifteen comics. It, so was, it was late. Like, it was the late show, and it was late. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, let's just be silly and fun, and and I did actually have a moment of like, I want to play the drums, but I don't know if I should. And I was like, well, if I don't, someone else is going to later. And I was like, this, damn it, I wanted to play the drums, and I'll be jealous that I decided not to. So right, I was like, let me get over there and. But you uh, actually played drums. the
1: drums. Like, do you play drums? Like, no, I know experience with such
0: it? a tiny, um, minimal amount. I know how to kind of keep a beat. And uh-huh.
1: Okay, there's that self-consciousness coming yeah, out. Yeah, but we go. I mean, I'm not a you played, drummer. You were playing, though. Oh, like,
0: thanks. It sounded legit. Oh, thanks. A few people have said that, but I think if there was a drummer there, they would have been like, get
1: out of here, you piece of shit. <laughs> Kill like, yourself. There it is. Yeah. There it's coming back out. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Well, um. Before uh, before we get out of here, man, thank you so much for doing this as yeah, well. Yeah, fun. Again, by the way. I love talking about myself. Good. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good. I didn't know if you're going to be too too cool, though. I don't know how people... Oh, no. Are. With I'm success, not. you're like, I'm opening for Louis now. I don't need to be doing... Who is no. this? No, you know? no.
0: I'm happy to talk.
1: So what is we talked about you starting to creating goals and you now achieving those goals. So what are, you clearly have high standards for yourself. What are these new goals?
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard figuring that out because like Letterman was like a dream since like I was young and then Mm -hmm. Conan, I grew up watching. So I wanted to do Conan. I got to do that. Yeah. And then I guess an hour special at some point. I mean, I grew up watching HBO hour specials. I don't know. That's seems more exclusive now. Um, I just want to, I think a lot of comics kind of have this goal of performing to a group of people that came to see me as opposed to just went to see comedy. Mm -hmm. That would be ideal. And it's hard. I have to like figure it out, but I don't think I don't want to rush into like, I want to do this or that. I kind of am enjoying uh, trying to do well and be as funny as possible. And then I try to have things outside of comedy too. I want to be a good, you know, husband and son and friend and uh, citizen and... So I'm trying to do all of those things while still uh, creating good material. I like albums. I grew up with albums and liking people's albums. I'd like to have a body of work that's sort of like annual, maybe not every year, but year and a half, two years. I just put one out in okay. a couple months ago. It's called Are You Mad at Me? Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm proud of that. So I'd like to have, like Louis described one time, you know, especially it's like your comedy career should be like you're writing a book and these specials or albums are like a, each one's a chapter. So you can kind of go through and kind of hear what the person was doing. Right, right. And I'm a big music guy too, so it's like I'd like to just have... I'd like to do specials as well, but I really liked an album. I like the idea of sitting there in a dark room and listening to it and feeling like you're there. So I'd like to have, you know, sort of annually quality albums. And uh, my podcasts, so I'm really... I really like and enjoy doing. So I want it's that a lot of to fun, grow. Man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah it's,
1: Tuesdays with stories with uh, Mark Norman's on there as well.
0: Yeah. It's real fun and silly and irreverent. And uh, it's just ridiculous. We're just having fun. So, yeah, but people seem to really enjoy it. So I want to keep doing that. And I've always wanted to, this is something I wrestled with. I always wanted to be like a filmmaker when I was really young. And I'm like, I should try to pursue that. And write. But it's
1: like a Scorsese.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's my, sort of my guy, Woody uh-huh. Allen, Scorsese, I love those guys. Uh-huh. Woody Allen, now, his accusations, I'm a little less... Um, <laughs> uh, that one, those ones are a little more... Again, similarly, we don't know the answer, but that one seems a little more uh, <laughs> legitimate. He has actual accusers.
1: Right, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But anyways, I don't want to go back to that subject, But, but anyways... The art, the work, I, I love. Yeah. So, so
1: you're just thinking outside of comedy a little bit. Yeah,
0: so it's one of those things where it's like, ah, you're 34, what are you doing? You didn't go to film school. But I'm like, well, why not? Why not try to pursue that? So that's something I'd like to try to do
1: or whatever. Well, what are you waiting on?
0: Uh, I'm just lazy, generally. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I should start doing I've made a bunch of weird videos and dumb shit. But- mm-hmm. So that's something I guess I should work on.
1: Is are there any, that was a nice nugget that Louie dropped you right there, and maybe of from Louie or other super successful people you've worked with. Are there any other kind of nuggets of knowledge that you've kind of been able to apply to yourself?
0: Um, I guess so. I've I've just collected so much stuff because you just it's just wisdom. I guess you kind of gain stuff from talking to these different people and getting yeah. to know everyone. But um, I guess there's probably more. But I, none are like coming to my mind right now that was a fun one that was a good one but um, (laughs) no that's fine yeah nothing comes off the top of my head but uh definitely just trying to continue to be a good comedian what i consider a good comedian hopefully my peers do and i think they do unless they're lying yeah oh good
1: absolutely man so yeah Yeah. i just
0: want to yeah be funny
1: and a good person but you want to be the guy it's cool to open for louis but you're like i want to be in the lights like, yeah i, want to I be mean me.
0: yeah and i'm headlining a lot of my own show. i mean i'm mm-hmm. on the road most of the time i'm headlining my own shows i don't want to make it sound like i'm just uh doing eight minutes for louis i mean i'm missing a bunch of louis shows to headline my own shows and stuff so mm-hmm. i'm out there and uh trying to put together i kind of have a new 45 or so from the album so i just want to nice. keep hammer away at that and try to do another one of those and
1: well, please let let the people know where they can keep up with you and all that jazz.
0: Uh, Twitter and Instagram. I love Instagram. At uh, Jill List Comedy. I'm very proud of my Instagram account. At Jill List Comedy on both of those. And then Tuesdays with Stories is my podcast. It's free every Tuesday on iTunes. It is a comedy podcast. Please don't take any of it serious. <laughs> and um, yeah, those are those. And then uh, my album is called Are You Mad at Me? And that's on... Whatever the hell the sell albums. so
1: Great. Well, uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Uh, I love you. Thanks for
0: listening. And uh, life is very enjoyable. And uh, have fun out there, everybody. All
1: right. Joe List, you for being on a Hot Breath, man. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. We did it. Thanks, man. Beautiful, yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We did it. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you, listeners, for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this Hot Breath episode... Please, I highly recommend, a lot of you have been reaching out about how you can support the podcast. A very simple, easy way to do it is just by leaving an iTunes review, even if it's just clicking five stars. But if you write a review, I've got a free Hot Breath podcast shirt coming your way. So please support us on there. That's going to help us to stand out from all the other comedy podcasts out there. You know I'm trying to provide a quality entertaining and educational podcast. So you leaving that review really helps in letting other people know the importance of what we're doing here. So thank you so much. Why not do it right now while it's on your mind before you go on with your day or night or morning? Hop on over to iTunes really quick. Click five stars and feel better about yourself. I must say, if you are a fan of hot breath, please go to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. Get more info about the podcast, ...about my schedule. I host a show every Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur. And if you're on the website, you'll also see a new flyer for the show. That was made by the one and only Comedy Artwork. Go to ComedyArtwork.com or on social media at Comedy Artwork. Check out his work. It's absolutely amazing. You'll see the logo on my website. He made the logo on my website. He's done work for Funnier or Die. He's done work for The Ringer Podcast Network. I mean, this... If you're interested in kind of revamping your image and really figuring out how you want to come across as you're navigating this comedy business, or really any business, you know, everybody needs a logo. So hit up Comedy Artwork, ask them to give you the hot breath special, and he'll take care of you. And while you're online, this is a big week. If you're listening, the week of this episode, this Saturday, October 29th, the one and only Comedy Binge Comedy Festival will be right here in Atlanta at Relapse Theater. And you, and only you, for listening to Hot Breath, can get 20% off. Some of you may be like, oh, that's great. Some of you are like, oh, I already signed up. And some of you are like, well, this is my first time listening. What's Comedy Binge? Comedy Binge is the world's first online comedy festival. And you don't have to be in Atlanta to watch it. And I have a special discount code just for you for listening to Hot Breath. If you go to comedybinge.co forward slash stream, use promo code HOTBREATH, all one word, you get 20% off streaming tickets. This is an amazing event. It's the very first of many, many. I'm going to be helping out with the hosting along with many of other Atlanta's funny comedians out there so please, please if you're a fan of Hot Breath if you're a fan of comedy and specifically Atlanta comedy it's headlined by Atlanta's own Rob Hayes who's been on Comedy Central on Last Comic Standing please go to comedybench.co forward slash stream use promo code Hot Breath, get 20% off what's that to lose? it's this Saturday, October 29th all day event let's do it and if you're a fan of comedy as well, you may be like, oh, I would like to learn more about comedy. Well, you're in luck because I happen to teach a stand up comedy class. Yes, yes, with the Highwire Comedy Company, we teach sketch and improv as well. And if you go to highwirecomedy.com, you can check out the registration page for all those classes to get more info. But if you're just a comedy fan looking to maybe get some fun insight into joke writing or just the business and how it all works, please, I highly recommend you signing up. The next round starts Sunday, November 5th. And if you're more an experienced comedian, this is a great opportunity to develop a new five-minute set in just eight short weeks. I've had people of all backgrounds take the class, and everybody always walks away with a new perspective on comedy and a new skill set that they can apply to whatever their profession is. So... Definitely hit me up at Joel Byers Comedy on social media or JoelByr'sComedy.com or Highwirecomedy.com. It would just kinda take comedy. I don't know, I was trying to come up with a slogan right there. It's not really important. The important part is if you're a comedy fan or you want to just get strength in your comedy, this is the class for you. Eight weeks, Joel Byers. Kaboom. But I feel better about us just for going on this journey together here with Joe List. And I gotta say, I think it's time, you know, I think we made a lot of a lot of good progress today, so I've got to say, I've been thanking so many people and plugging so much, but I've got to say a big shout out to my engineer, Amon Garner, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for anything audio, this is your guy, whether it's production or editing, just hit up Amon Garner on Facebook. He's been helping me with this podcast and keeping it sounding so crystal clear. That's my engineer, Amon Garner. And of course, my fiancé, Aaron Rogers. She made the iconic theme song, and I've got to shout her out as she eavesdrops in from the other room. So thank you so much. Thank you. She said you're welcome. So... I said all that to say, until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath.